Next on BYU Sports Nation, down goes Colorado. BYU basketball answers the Buffs challenge. So what does Saturday's win really mean for the Cougars? ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the Poinsettiable matchup with WYO. And the number one thing you learned about BYU football, head coach Kalani Sitake in year one. Plus college basketball stats guru Ken Pomeroy with the most surprising thing he saw from BYU on Saturday. And odds for beating Illinois. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. It's Monday, we're live in Radio Vision, BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, December 12th, wherever and however you're dialed in. Fabulous to have you with us, I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with movie trailer critic, Jerem Jordan. I did watch a lot of movie trailers this past week. A lot came out for some reason. Like, a lot. What was the best one you saw? The best one I saw? Maybe War for the Planet of the Apes. Ooh. A surprising the, the pick. The third one, yeah. Okay. I, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was really good, actually. That's the, I changed my mind. Okay. <laughs> you, in the moment. Yeah, I changed my mind. I forgot about that one. If you haven't seen that one, you need to watch it. I want to see it right now. And if you don't like Guardians of the Galaxy, I question your sense of humor. Now I'm interested. That's a great movie. I'm interested to get your take on the latest edition from our friend at B Morty, Mm -hmm. who released, if you remember, last year before the BYU Utah Las Vegas Bowl. Yes, he did a Star Wars. BYU football crossover Force, trailer. The Force Awakens. Yes, The Force Awakens. Yes, thank you, R2. Now he has, he has created another crossover trailer. Yes, with Rogue One. It's called BYU Football Independence. How many men do you need? No, no, no. BYU Football, an independent story or something like that. Yes. He, he took the audio from the uh, Rogue One trailer and injected <laughs> BYU storylines into it. It's really good. Or funny parts. And Rogue like One Kalani comes S- out Thursday night. When Kalani Satake Woo! and uh, Kyle Whittingham are hugging, and yeah. he's like, you're a friend. I, I won't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Serious what? content. Well, yeah, really well done. If you, uh, if you missed that, uh, I'll tweet it out again during the break. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. A mere nine days away from BYU football in Wyoming. Renewing the rivalry in the Poinsettia Bowl One-sided this time around. Rivalry. BYU linebacker Fred Warner expecting a tough matchup with revamped WYO. I'm sure a lot of people think... You know, when they, when they hear that name, they think, oh, it's just Wyoming. But they're a super good team this season. Uh, they got a lot of good players on offense. Uh, uh, they're running back, quarterback, you know, I know a couple receivers. Um, so they got a good team. And uh, we got to come prepared and, and uh, prepare well this, this week. Now, wait a second. Huh? Let's revisit what Fred Warner just said. He called Wyoming a, quote, super good team. Super is an interesting adjective. It's like I can't I, – Fred's being very respectful. Okay, I'll, I'll give it to you. Well, we call him Fred. His name's Federico. I want to start calling him Fed Warner. Is that okay with everybody? You do whatever you want. So, yeah, so, it's America. You're Donald the, Trump You're the Fred. movie trailer we critic, can do whatever we want. Nobody tells you to what Fred. to do. I, well, a lot of people do, and it's fine. Uh, <laughs> my wife for number one, yeah. Uh, super good. Su- super good. He's not a man. He's a super man. It's been a while for the Pokes, whether you think they're a super good team or just a good team. I just think they're a good team. Like, it's been a while since they have 
had quality wins on their slate, and they have a couple this yeah. year against Boise State and San Diego State. They also uh, lost UNLV in New Mexico. It's not just uh, I'll, you show me the good, I'll show you the bad, too. They're somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah, they're a good team. I wouldn't call them super good, but yeah. This team will be ultra-motivated to play, not because of the rivalry per se, because both of the, these teams and the rosters and how they're made up, they don't understand no. the history no. that goes into this old, s- whack, Mountain West matchup. Yeah, yeah, it's a rivalry. It's just one-sided. It's the fan bases that are feeling it the most. It's a good, yeah, it's a good matchup. And coming up, we'll talk to ESPN's Trevor Manich about... What sticks out about this matchup? Mm. Okay, That's okay. coming up. Love it. Hey, media availability happens today, 1.30 Eastern. You can watch post-practice interviews on the BYU TV Sports Facebook page. What kind of chance does BYU have against the Cowboys? Mm. ESPN's FPI says a 78% chance of winning. That's second highest of any bowl game. And then a uh, BYU's 7.5 point fave. They opened up at 8.5. Yeah, we'll talk to Trevor Mattis about those numbers as well. Men's basketball beat Colorado on Saturday, yeah! 79-71. Four BYU players scored in double figures. Four players hit three-pointers. Why that matters to Jerem. Nick Emery led the way with 23 points. A very sick Eric Mika dealing with a bout of food poisoning. Put up 17 points, seven rebounds, and six assists. Coach Dave Rose, naturally impressed with this team's chemistry on Saturday. I just, I like the way it felt. I like the way the bench felt. I like the way the... The, 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 just the interaction between the guys coming in and out, and that's something that we've been trying to find for long periods of time, and uh, it was good tonight. Big part of the win. BYU plays Illinois at the home of the Chicago Bulls, a statue of Michael Jordan and outside now. the United Center yeah. on Saturday. It's finals week, so good luck to all the students, by the way, with finals this week. I'm so grateful yeah. that I am not taking any finals this That's week. That's one of the things after graduation you're like, woof! No more tests! Hooray for no finals! <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's a big game with Illinois. We'll break that down coming up uh, later this week. 13th seed women's volleyball. Oh, this is tough. They fell in five sets to four seed Texas in the Sweet 16 on Friday in Austin. If you didn't watch the match, BYU was down 2 nothing. fought off a match point in the third set, won the third set, won the fourth set, and then this is the killer. So the comeback was on, right? Fifth set. Played at 15. BYU was up 5-0, 11-5, and had two match points. But Texas scored four straight to win the match. By the way, Creighton upset uh, 12-seed Michigan that night, too. BYU would have been in the Final Four, I bet. Uh, oh! Uh. So heck of, heck of a comeback. But really disappointing to lose that fifth set. So another fantastic season for the women's volleyball team. Sweet 16. McKenna Miller had 16 kills. Mary Lake, 30 digs off the karma boost Friday. She was on the all-tournament team. So what a season by women's volleyball. Real bummer because they made that comeback but didn't seal the deal. Yeah, generally when a team gains that type of momentum and comes back in that fashion, they don't lose, right? They're up 11-5 in the fifth. Oh! But what a season. I mean, I, I, don't want, I don't want the end of that match to spoil what was no, a incredible WCC run. champs, lost Alexa Gray, was even better, got back to the Sweet 16. At Texas in a fifth set, that's, that's impressive. Five straight Sweet 16s. Congratulations to BYU Women's Volleyball and their head coach, Heather Olmstead. Week 14 for Cougars in the NFL. Ziggy Ansah had two tackles and a tackle for loss for the Lions in a win. John Denny had the game-winning snap 
in the downpour. Oh, snap! For the Miami Dolphins on a field goal as time expired to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Jerem, very happy about that. Because... Wasn't so happy about the uh, Seahawks game, yeah. but I was happy about that one. Yeah, it? yeah, well, there you go. And Dennis Pitt and DeAndre <laughs> Wesley and the Baltimore Ravens play Kyle Van Noy's New England Patriots on Monday Night Football, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN tonight. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Buff out the losses for a quality win. Can they get Eric some touches? Here is Mika. Double team comes. He kicks it back out for three. Bayo, good job. Steven Bayo with an appearance and a huge three as BYU picks up an enormous Non-conference win against a team that just beat 13th-ranked Xavier. The Cougars take down Colorado to get to 7-3 and three on the season. Now, as important as this was for the proverbial postseason talk and bracketology, this was a much-needed confidence boost for BYU basketball in more than one way. Specifics on that in just a moment, but right now more from Dave Rose. So uh, I think that a lot of these guys are starting to figure out a lot of things about how this works and the attention to detail and the discipline and the consistency and the accountability that you have to have to yourself uh, to keep your, you know, to be able to perform at the level that you want to play at. And now for today's Twitter question. What does the win over Colorado mean for BYU hoops? Use hashtag BYUSN at Still Team Taysom. Is this a rival of Still Team Riley? Apparently. Or did Still Team Riley change his Twitter handle? If so, that would be big news. I don't think it's I, I don't think it's still Team Riley. I, I, I think this oh. is a different account. Wow, okay. It gives the team confidence in knowing that they can work together and win, also that TJ Hawes can find his groove. You know, I had somebody point out to me uh, via a text message today um, that initially I thought, yeah, but now it's, it's starting to resonate a little bit more in regard to TJ Hawes. You mean 3J Hawes? That he is he, well played after what he did on Ap- uh, I got to credit Steve Pierce. Saturday night, yeah, yeah, nice Steve Pierce. Um, that that T.J. Haas has some Pete Maravich qualities in terms of the movie, Quite the, comparison. the pistol. That he, Can he, he spin a ball on his finger all day? That's may, the real I don't question. know. Would you put it past T.J. Haas if he really wanted to do that? No. Okay. But the point is, he sees the floor so well. Sometimes he is a step ahead of his teammates yes. in terms of passing the ball. Yes. Like he's that he's next level with mm. his ability to pass the ball. Yeah, I thought that's a, that's kind of a fair comparison in that one simple thing to Pete Maravich, right? We're not saying he's yeah. he's Pistol Pete, but yeah, passes the ball really. That can well. average forty four a game without a three point line. Point is BYU <laughs> as a whole, including TJ Haas, gained a ton of confidence. Number one, Jerem, BYU proved to themselves that they can beat an NCAA tournament quality. Team. That was like a kind of 10-7 matchup yeah. in the NCAA tournament. Yes, to me. Or it eight, felt nine, like a tournament Or 11-6. Yeah. That was like an NCAA tournament type thing. Um, to me, it, uh, what it means, it means BYU is 7-3 and, and they're on pace for what they were hoping to be. If BYU beats Illinois, they'll beat CSU, Bakersfield, and Idaho State after that. And they'll be 10-3. and three. That was our prediction for the non-conference record. Love it. We didn't think that a, a Utah Valley loss would be in there. And we will never forget that loss. That'll just be you. You won't be like, well, we. You'll always remember that BYU lost to Utah Valley in the way that they lost. But I think that BYU played good defense and they made some threes. Mm. That's a winning formula. I, I, I really do think that BYU is a different kind of defensive team post Utah Valley. 
I think that that scared them into defensive submission. So it could be a good thing in the long run because it shapes the way you yeah. play. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tragic basketball event, right? Not real-life tragedy. I'm talking just sports where it's like, oh, my goodness. It was a call have, to reality. We have to change something. Yeah, yes. exactly. So, yeah, BYU, you see what BYU can be. That was their best game of the season, best performance, because it was a big game. The officiating helped BYU, right? Got to the free throw line. Eric Mika is number one in the country and fouls drawn. And BYU finally hit some threes, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU went 9 for 19 from three. They shot a season-high 47% versus Colorado. Oh, finally! 4 of 5 from TJ Haas. Play some defense and shoot the three, baby. Well, get the ball inside first. You mentioned it. Eric Mika had some food poisoning. He had 17 and 7 in 30 minutes. He, uh, I was told by someone uh, near the end of the game associated with BYU that they looked at the uh, box score and said, oh, he didn't have a double-double. Jerem's uh, going for two picks. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed in that one. You can and blame- that was supposed to be an easy one! You can blame it on the chicken nuggets, Jerem. They'll get you. Ugh. Okay, last thing I want to make a point of. BYU extended the bench with the addition of Stephen Bayo in some critical moments, Jerem. Stephen is Bayo. He hit an enormous three to tie the game back up at 58 when Colorado was kind of on a run and in control of the pace of the game. Yeah, Dave Rose said that kind of lifted the lid of uh, kind of pressure on everyone else to make a shot. So that was good. Last year, BYU discovered Zach Selyus in this game. This year, Stephen Bayo, Colorado. You've heard what it means to us for BYU basketball, but what does the win of Colorado mean to you? Use the hashtag BYUS and send in your tweets. Coming up, college basketball stats guru Ken Pomeroy tells us where BYU hoops rank in his latest Ken Palm ratings. But first, you know what day it is. It's Maddich Monday. ESPN's Trevor Maddich previews the Poinsettia Bowl. This is BYU Sports Nation. Anybody know what day it is? BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Our Monday conversation happening right now on the Twitter machine. Follow at BYU Sports Nation and use the hashtag BYUSN. Hey, this Saturday we'll be live from San Diego, a two-hour BYU Sports Nation. That's, that sounds amazing. I'm yes, stoked. yes, it does. Live on BYU TV from 6 to 8 p.m. at the BYU Fan Fest. Check it out in San Diego if you're local. Come hang out with us. It's going to be a ton of fun. 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday on BYU TV. Could you please just repeat that first sentence one more time, Jerem? BYUSN in San Diego. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> okay. Woo! On that note, let's take it up another level. ESPN college football analyst stand 1984 BYU National Champion Trevor Maddich joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. A man who knows a thing or two about winning a big bowl game in the city of San Diego. Trevor, welcome back to the show. Hello. Good morning. BYU a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against Wyoming in San Diego. 78% ESPN football power index chance of winning against the Cowboys. Where do those numbers compare with what you think will happen in that game? I think those numbers are pretty good. I mean, BYU will have to show up and play. Wyoming is a dangerous team. In the regular season, they beat Boise State. And they beat eventual Mountain West champs, San Diego State. Then they lost to them in the championship game. But, but they beat both of those teams in the regular season. So Wyoming is capable of putting together good teams and beating, uh, beating good teams. And so, you know, and when you look at them, it's really about offense. When you look at, at Wyoming, 
They have got a very balanced offense. The quarterback, Josh Allen, has, has become a very good dual threat. Brian Hill's a big running back who just bludgeons you very much like Jamal Williams uh, in terms of style from that standpoint. And if you load up to stop the run, they've got a wide receiver in Tanner Gentry that's averaging about 19 yards per catch. And so they've got the deep threat ability as well. So BYU will have to strap it on tight to beat these guys. And if they do win the game, it will be a quality win for the Cougars. Not all eight win teams are created equal. Uh, You highlighted some of the best of Wyoming. Some of the worst is losing to UNLV in New Mexico, kind of the end of the year. They're two and four on the road. They haven't played that well outside of Laramie per se. How do you think BYU matches up against the Cowboys? I think it's a good matchup because BYU intrinsically is good to stop the run. I don't think they'll need to load up too much to stop Brian Hill or at least to slow him down. So it's not like they'll be taking a risk by leaving their secondary exposed because there's no other way to slow down the Wyoming run. I think, I think naturally that's one of their fortes. And then another thing is that BYU is also balanced on offense, and they've got a very, very good rushing attack, and Wyoming's defense, not very good. I think BYU has a huge advantage on that side of the ball. And as long as they don't make big mistakes on offense, then they should be able to control the clock and grind this thing down. So this is all on paper, though, you know, because football games are kind of weird the way they shake out. But right now on paper, I think BYU fans have a very good chance of ending the season on a very high note. I know that people are excited about what Tanner Mangum brings to BYU. He, of course, taking over for Taysom Hill. They're looking at what he did in last year's BYU offense. What is a realistic expectation for Tanner Mangum in his first start in the Ty Detmer pro-style offense in a bowl game? Well, you know, I think, I think they'll, they'll call plays that he can be successful at. I think they'll feature the run with the running backs. I think they'll, they'll rotate a few guys in there at that position to keep them fresh. I think that play action will be the primary place where Tanner can show what he can do with his arm. I don't think this is the game for Tanner Mangum to showcase his future. I think this is the game to take care of business. And the way, way to take care of business here with a quarterback that hadn't played much all year uh, is to make sure the play calling features the strength of the team from a standpoint of where are they least likely to make the big mistake. And that would be if they drop back in the pocket too much and then have Tanner throw the ball when they really should be rushing the ball and pounding it with the run. That's not to say Tanner can't throw the ball well. It's just that when you game plan for this game, the first thing you want to do is win the game. And I I think the strength of BYU's rushing attack against that Wyoming defense is where they really need to stay focused. Yeah, I think Tanner Mangum in the pregame should have uh, in his headphones just BTO, Bachman Turner Overdrive, just taking care of business. Trevor Maddox said it. He can just That's listen right. to that the whole pregame. Uh, if, if BYU wins this game, they would have won 8 of 9 after a 1-3 and three start and finished with 9 wins. What would that mean for this program? It would be astonishing. You guys, we, we talked the three of us, early in the season, about how if BYU was able to win seven games against this schedule with a new coaching staff, new systems on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, that it would be a terrific season. And if they won eight, 
it would be one of the best coaching jobs at BYU in recent memory. Well, they won eight, and they have a chance to go one better and make it nine. As a matter of fact, they're just a, a play or two away from a lot better than that. I mean, their four losses came by a total of eight points, combined eight points. And so to, to get eight wins now, their season is already squared away and solid. If they're able to, to pull off this win in the bowl game, then – the belief is what matters. What matters is then that the players, the program itself, will have established a paradigm that even in the very first year of new systems, we're able to go out and win nine games. Even in the very first year, we had great success. And now going forward, there's an expectation that what you're being asked to do works. And that's important. Usually, well, often, when a new coaching staff comes in, it takes a while for the players to fully buy in because it's, it's a new style. They're doing new things. They're being asked to perform off the field in ways that they're not accustomed to. And until there are, there are results on the field that the players can see, that they can put their hands on and say, okay, I get it. I see what you're doing now. We, we're being successful now. Until that happens, then there's, there's generally an air of skepticism that will be around even if it's not the most prevalent thing. That has been completely erased right from the beginning of this first year of Kalani Sataki and his staff. Right now, the players know that if they do what they're being asked to do, they will win because the fruit is on the tree. And so I think the fact that they've won eight with a chance to win nine is a phenomenal way to have that culture established right from the start with no doubt whatsoever that what they're being asked to do will work. And I'll tell you, going forward, that's what you need. It's another Maddich Monday with ESPN college football insider Trevor Maddich. What does a bowl game win do for next year's team, Trevor? It gives them two more weeks of practice. That's important. It gives their probable starting quarterback, and by the way, there will be competition for that starting quarterback position. Let's just not hand it to Tanner Mangum yet. But the, the, it'll, it'll give him a head start heading into next season, heading into the spring, really. And it'll give that, that final validation and a good taste in everybody's mouth and great excitement. And the thing is, it won't be, the excitement will not be built on vapor. It won't be built on just speculation and hope. You know, we, we know that faith is something that we don't see, but we hope is true. We know it's true. We can't see it. You know, the, the definition of faith, depending on how you want to phrase it, they don't need faith anymore. And a bowl win would be one more solid, I know, rather than I believe. And that's important. If Kalani Satake takes the uh, Kyle Whittingham method, uh, that would be good for bowls because Kyle Whittingham and Utah win a lot of bowls. I think he's only lost one, maybe two in his tenure there, so that would be good. To me, if BYU's not down 35 nothing in the first quarter, that would be a good thing in the uh, Poinsettia Bowl, Trevor. Yeah, you know, it, it would be good. That, that Utah game last – thanks for reminding me of that, by the way. That, that was one of the ugliest darn things and one of the most beautiful darn things. I mean, it was so, so abjectly horrific to have, of all teams, Utah, rip off – what was it, five or seven – five, seven, do the math, five straight touchdowns unanswered. And, but then BYU came back. They came back and had a chance to win that thing. So I think that was very good as well. I think that – put BYU into, into this last offseason on a relatively positive note. Even though they didn't get the win, they didn't quit either. That's a good thing. Did anything surprise you about head coach Kalani Satake or anybody on his new staff this year? 
Yeah, there's a bunch of things that uh, surprised me, uh, most of them for very good reasons. When I first met Kalani Sataki, I was there. His family was in the office with him, some of his family, and his father was there as well. And you could tell from Kalani and from his his father especially, but also his family, that these are people who are deeply grounded in sincerity, in caring about people. That was his reputation coming in, that he didn't just go through the motions of trying to help people and check boxes in mentoring. He gave to people. He he mentored and stuck with them when there was nobody around to watch. People in the Polynesian community, people not in the Polynesian community. And in meeting him, you see what the source of that is. The source of it is a heart that every bit matches the sincerity of his actions. And that the, the players can tell that. When players know that the coach loves them, I mean loves them, they'll give everything they, they have for that coach. And it is evident from first impression that Kalani Sataki has a deep love for BYU's program and for the kids that play there. And I think that's the, the first thing. And it wasn't a surprise when I met him uh, that, that it was that way. I kind of expected that. But I was surprised at how deeply, how deeply uh, affecting of other people he is with his sincerity. Now, you combine that with the fact that the fire in his eyes is burning hot and bright. He is a competitor. He is a fighter. But when it's time to compete and it's time to fight, you want Kalani Sataki to lead you. When it's time to love, you want Kalani Sataki to be there as well. Because he's the kind of a coach that doesn't have one speed and one speed only. He, he has the versatility of his personality and of his spirit to be able to, to do what's needed in the moment. And it's all built on that foundation of love. And that sounds silly because football doesn't seem like a place where love matters much if you look at it from the outside in. But I can tell you that having played at BYU, having played on a bunch of NFL teams, that the more love there is, for the brotherhood inside the complex, the more likely it is that you'll get everything out of everybody there. And Kalani Sataki leads in that way. Was there any doubt Lamar Jackson would win the Heisman? No, no. Uh, and, you know, I, he, he should have, uh, based on the five that were there. People give him grief for losing the last two games, and he struggled the last really three games of the season. Lamar Jackson did. Part of that, though, was his team fell apart around him, and he was trying to do too much. But ultimately, when you look at at what he accomplished over the season, Tim Tebow, when he won the Heisman, combined rushing and passing for 55 touchdowns. This year, Lamar Jackson combined for 51 touchdowns and didn't get that extra championship game, conference championship game to pad those stats. I think when you add that to some of the things he accomplished, like the utter obliteration of Florida State, I don't think anybody else could say that they had more top moments, and nobody else could also say that they didn't falter at times during, during the season. So I think that he was the right guy of the five there. Now, I will say this, that watching tape, in my opinion, the most outstanding player in college football was Alabama linebacker Reuben Foster. He wasn't even there. I, as a matter of fact, he's not even the guy people talk about on Alabama's team. They talk about defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, who scored the touchdowns. It's an offensive but I think Ruben Foster should have been the guy. Yeah, yeah but, but of the five that were there, Lamar Jackson definitely deserved it. Fantastic stuff, Trevor. Uh, thanks for the Army-Navy game that has bridged the gap. We have more college football every week until about mid-January. So, hooray for football! Yay, it never ends. Thanks, Trevor.
On the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Did you watch the Army-Navy game, by the way? No, I didn't. Wow. I was ooting a boot. Taking care of business, right? Mm-hmm. Taking care of business. It's, it's a Saturday without BYU football and a late BYU basketball game. I was on the honey-do list. Yeah, you have, to, you have to attend to those every once in a while, right? Yeah. <laughs> and my own list of looking at televisions. <laughs> Our Twitter question today about basketball. What does the win over Colorado mean for BYU hoops? At C-O-T underscore BYU football says, Tourney Train is back for me! Excuse me? It deserves that horn after that win. You, will you present the Tourney Train hat to the I audience? I will present the Tourney Train hat, just not at this moment. Why are you holding it up then? Because we've got, well, I'm going to put it on oh. at some point, right? Oh, but not right now? I'm not going to reveal oh. when I'm oh. going to put on the tournament train hat. The tournament train hat, Jerem. Up next, Ken Pomeroy, stats guru for college basketball, joins us. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. With the generous support of the Cougar Club, BYU 623 student-athletes are role models, leaders, graduates, and champions. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Help them succeed with your donation, and welcome to the club. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. You like football? There's more on the way. I do like football, American football, uh, and uh, yeah, and the other football. 1.30 Eastern time today, facebook.com slash BYU TV sports. You can watch the post-practice interviews. Check it out, BYU getting ready for Wyoming nine days away. That leads us off as we refresh today's BYUS and headlines. Nine days away, specifically, before BYU and Wyoming renew the rivalry in the Poinsettia Bowl. Check out all of the media availability, 1.30 Eastern, live on BYU TV Sports' Facebook page. Men's basketball beat Colorado, the guys on a Buffalo. Saturday, 79-71, four BYU players scored in double figures, led by Nicholas Emery's 23 points. A sick Eric Mika, uh, sick physically, not, uh, you know, the way he plays. He was uh, sick. He was sick, bro. 17 points, seven boards. Career-high six assists. 13th seed BYU women's volleyball lost in five sets to four-seed Texas in the Sweet 16 on Friday. An incredible match with a heartbreaking finish. The Cougars were down two sets to none. Fought off a match point to win sets three and four. Had a six-point lead in the decisive fifth set, only to watch Texas come back and steal it. Right back, Mary Lake, fantastic performance, 30 digs in the match. She was on the all-tournament team. Had that karma boost Friday, you know what I'm saying? She said, what's going on? Are these monks? When we played the music. Yeah, she won't question that anymore. Nope. It's week 14 for the Cougars in the NFL. Ziggy Onside, two tackles and a tackle for loss for the Lions. John Denny, he's the long snapper for the Dolphins. He had the game-winning snap in a downpour for the Dolphins on a field goal as time expired to beat the Arizona Cardinals. Dennis Pitta, DeAndre Wesley, and the Baltimore Ravens face off with Kyle Vannoy and the New England Patriots tonight on Monday Night Football, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN. Jeremy, it's time to stare down our selections in going for two. Can you predict the future? No. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. It says here in the script, it may be more accurately called our quest for 500. <laughs> Oh. True, true that. 
Yeah, we're, we're just trying to, be, we're trying to be mediocre, right? <laughs> I think I was down five, and uh, yeah, I'm just still behind. Were you down by as many as five? I think so. I thought it was four, but can, wow, was can it our, five? Can our stats uh, crew check that uh, and get back to me? Okay, here's, here's what we happens. We don't have a stats crew? Never mind. For those new to the program, Jeremy and I make two predictions we are before the stats crew? each and every BYU football and basketball game. And our latest going for two have yielded the following results. Number one, I said BYU senior point guard LJ Rose would have a three by six, meaning 6.6 rebounds and six assists. And yeah, that was uh, a fail on my part. LJ had five points, one rebound and three assists. Steven Bayo saw extended minutes as LJ had his minutes cut back a little bit. Steven is Bay. Oh. However, Jerem, my second pick, a little bit better. BYU will hold Colorado under their season average, 43.3% shooting from the field. Swish! Colorado shot 38.7%. <laughs> they couldn't buy one from three. Seven for 29, so really that was their undoing. But hey, one for two, I'm 18 and 20 on the season. Still two underneath that 500 mark. 18-20 was a tremendous year as well. Mm, yes, it was. Eric Mika, my first pick, will have a double-double. <laughs> <laughs> he was sick, and he still had 17 and 7, but he didn't have a double-double. <laughs> he might have been sick because he had a double-double. Who knows? Uh, and number two, four different BYU players will make a three-pointer. Swish! There That's you go. That's because uh, my dudes, uh, LJ Rose and Stephen Bale, each hit a three. And, of course, uh, St. Nicholas Emery and 3J Haas made, one as well, made several. Stephen Bayo and LJ Rose helped you get one for two. What? Okay, so I came up with nicknames uh, right there, either stole from other people or original on three of those four. I didn't have one for LJ Rose. So St. Nicholas Emery, 3J Haas, Stephen Isbayo, and LJ Rose. Boogie. That's his nickname. And Boogie Rose. There you go. I feel weird saying Boogie Rose. Hey, you said 1820 was a a huge year, right? 1523 was not a great year. That's my record, 1820. So the year 1820, (laughs) I just Googled, like, important events in 1820. Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson proves that tomatoes are not poisonous by eating one in public on September 28th of 1820. There was a more significant event to this people in 1820, but okay. Oh, yes, 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 there was. That's what I was thinking, yeah. It involved uh, a dude with the same name as the first pick in the NBA draft in Maryland in 1995. Oh. One Joe, Joe Smith. Joe Smith, yeah, yeah. That is correct, yeah. Jerem. 1523. What happened in 1523? Anyone Nobody cares. I don't That's know. right. No one does care. The Spanish were touring something. What happened uh, <laughs> in 1523? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> 1523. It's in Wikipedia. All right. As Jerem looks that up. Martin Luther... Helped uh, Katharina von Borrow, his eventual wife, escape from a uh, convent by placing her and 12 other nuns in erring barrels. <laughs> oh. 1523, Martin what? Luther brought it. <laughs> oh, ML. Oh, my goodness. Says, Please tell me this is not a new thing that we do with our records. No, no. <laughs> Click. We're done. That's what's happening right now. Click. We are done. <laughs> what does the win over Colorado mean for BYU basketball? At Andrew G. You got Garrett the nuns out says, of there, Spencer. <laughs> It means we have another weapon on our bench in Stephen Beowulf <laughs> Bayo. <laughs> Beowulf. That was such a bad movie a couple years ago. 
Stephen Bale played better than that movie. <laughs> that is for sure. Up next, Jimmer goes for 40-plus again in China. And Ken Pomeroy, the college basketball stats guru, on what surprised him from BYU. Get those nuns out, man. Martin Luther. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan with your latest history lessons from the year 1820 and 1523. Yeah. Fresh out of Studio B. If you miss an episode of this show, the rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. BYU Sports Nation will be live from San Diego starting Saturday as well as Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. Bowl coverage. Poinsettia Bowl. We're bringing it. The super good Wyoming Cowboys and the Brigham Young Cougars start Saturday, 6 to 8 Eastern. We'll have a uh, special two-hour BYU Sports Nation from the Fan Fest. And then, of course, we'll be live at the uh, regular time of noon Eastern, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Bowl game day will be huge. Countdown to kickoff live from San Diego and Provo as well. We got you covered, baby. America's finest city, and I could not agree more with that sentiment. (laughs) Totally agree. Our Twitter question today, what does the win over Colorado mean for BYU basketball? At 86WICOOG tweets in, doesn't mean much if they don't beat Illinois at the United Center on Saturday or if they lose plus one to a non-St. Zaga team in West Coast Conference play. Need two wins against St. Zaga. There's a lot going on in that sentence. I know. Like three different Holy complex yes. ideas. How did you fit that into 140 characters? <laughs> well played at 86 WIQ. That's kind of a complicated equation, which I think sets up our next guest pretty well. Absolutely. Somebody that can probably bring some uh, clarity some smarts to, this to all of that. Program. Finally. College basketball numbers guru Ken Pomeroy joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Ken, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, guys. BYU currently 56 in your latest Ken Palm ratings. They just knocked off Colorado, who was 54 in that same list. What were your observations of BYU and Colorado in person at the Marriott Center on Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the best game that BYU has, has played to date. You know, the big kind of bugaboo for them so far this season has been uh, perimeter shooting. You know, they're a little bit more... Uh, the offense goes a little bit more through the post this year with Eric Mika back and, and playing really well. And, uh, but they've struggled from the outside. They kind of need both things, I think, working to be successful going forward. And, uh, you know, they kind of had a breakout game uh, from the perimeter. And that was really, I think, a, a key reason why they were able to uh, pull away there at the end and beat Colorado. What goes into the Ken Palm ratings? Because we've used that uh, very heavily this season. We, we uh, enjoy having a context for every game. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the, the purpose behind it was to you know give people some information on every team. Obviously, Division One basketball is is a huge universe, a little bit different than, than football. You know, there's 350 teams, so uh, there's a lot of teams you play that you don't really know a lot about, even if you're a, you know a hardcore fan. But uh, yeah, what goes into it is just looking. You know, the ratings themselves look at, at points scored per possession, points allowed per possession, um, adjust that for. Uh, who you played, you know, the quality of opponent, where the game was played, when it was played. Uh, so you know, a few factors go in there and, you know, just try to spit out a, a pretty decent representation of, you know, how good every team's offense uh, and defense is around the country. What was the most surprising stat from BYU in Saturday night's win versus Colorado? I know you already referenced the three-point shooting. Was there anything else that really stood out? Well, uh, I mean, to me, Stephen Bayo getting 21 minutes, that was probably the – the most surprising thing, I, you know, he played, uh, I think, 20 minutes total up to that point. So uh, 
you know, it's even, uh, you know, I know we're not too far into the season, but, uh, you know, it's not like he's been hurt or anything. He's been available and, uh, you know, just hasn't gotten the call. But uh, obviously uh, Dave Rose saw some need to uh, to get him in there and get some more depth at the guard position and uh, worked out pretty well. You know, he played well, and I think uh, his ability to uh, both defend and, uh, you know, make the occasional three-point shot as he did in the second half uh, on Saturday night uh, is going to serve the Cougars pretty well. We're about a third of the way through the regular season, uh, 10 of 31 games for uh, BYU. Is there enough data to begin to say what you can expect from a given team like a, a BYU moving forward? Yeah, yeah, we're getting to the point where for most teams, you know, we know pretty much who they are. That's not to say that, you know, teams can't improve or, you know, there's, there will be a handful of teams that uh, look a lot different uh, in March than they do right now. But for the most part, you're locked in. Like, we know BYU's not on that plane with Gonzaga and St. Mary's. You know, they're a step below. How far below is, you know, still to be determined, I guess you could say. Or, you know, are they good enough to, to pick those teams off at home, or are they not? I mean, that's, that's what we'll learn in the next uh, few weeks. BYU will play St. Mary's and Gonzaga at least four times, maybe one more time in the West Coast Conference Tournament in Vegas in early March. Statistically speaking, how many of those games will BYU win, Ken? Well, uh, let's, let's put it this way. I have them projected right now to go 13-5. and five in conference play. So uh, obviously four games against those two teams and then a bunch of games against the, the bottom feeders of the conference, of which there are uh, far too many, you know, for a team in BYU circumstance and these quality wins. But, um, you know, if you can just do the math there, uh, you know, they're, they're probably going to lose three out of four. You know, I think uh, an optimistic uh, viewpoint would be, you know, split those two, split those four games, get to go two and two, um, and, you know, Maybe you only lose one to the rest of the conference, and you know now you're 15 and three, and now you're now you're in in play for an at large bid. But um, if I had to predict, I'd say they you know they probably get one one of the two at home, lose both on the road. I mean, I think that's what you'd expect at this point. With those projections, that makes the uh, Illinois game big because BYU probably needs that one on its resume. You have a, a 47 percent chance of BYU winning, so close to 50, and a one point. Uh, uh, margin of loss there. This this Illinois game ends up being a pretty good, big game for the Cougars Saturday. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, the Colorado game, you know, you had to figure that was a must win. In the Illinois game, probably a must win as well. I mean, not, you know, not in the literal sense. We could concoct a, a scenario where they lose that game and they win the rest of their games. And, you know, if that happened, obviously they would, you know, get a get a tournament bid and get a pretty good seed. But, I mean, realistically, knowing knowing who the Cougars are, they're, you know, they're not going to run the table in conference play. Um, so, yeah, they really need that Illinois game pretty badly. It's, it's a tough one, too, because, as you said, you know, it's basically a toss-up game. Illinois hasn't really played that well. I mean, they're, they're probably headed for, uh, you know, bottom third of the Big Ten finish. You know, they, they don't look like an at-large team uh, at this point. So it's a game that, you know, you win. You're not going to get necessarily um, a lot of publicity from, from doing so. But if you lose it, people will start kicking dirt on you. So, um, so it's a, it's a tough situation. It's not necessarily going to be a quality win, but you really need to just avoid um, another loss and won't look all that good. I hate when people kick dirt on me. Yeah, so BYU needs to go in uh, with the mentality to win that one. I, l- I love uh, on location, on the uh, schedule on your website there, that it says semi-away. That's the perfect description because it's in Illinois, but it's not on campus. Finally, someone with some smarts to <laughs> define it well. So thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, 
Yeah, I think the NCAA actually will, will treat that game as a, a neutral game for purposes of, of the RPI. But uh, clearly, um, Illinois has some sort of advantage. They're obviously not a home <laughs> game, but uh, they'll have a, a few fans of that game. What, sure. Was BYU, let's see, semi away for, let's see, Utah State? No, that's just straight up neutral. Yeah. Because it's neutral for Utah State, is that why it's not semi away? Exactly. Yeah, kind of a kind of a halfway point there for the yeah. two schools. So you know, it has it, you have to look at, at both participants, obviously. And, and in the case of playing in Chicago, obviously Illinois has a quite a shorter trip than BYU does. Ken, no surprise. Uh, the top three in the West Coast Conference go as follows: Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and then BYU. Who's the fourth best team in the WCC that could give the top three some problems this year? Oh man, do I have to pick? It's, uh, it's a bad year for it's a bad year for the rest of the conference. I mean, that's the thing. You like, you know, every year going in, you know, the the other uh, seven teams are not going to be all that good. But uh, in years past, there's at least been like one or two that are kind of like you're you're kind of hopeful. You know, maybe they can, you know, be all right, and it won't be a bad loss if you lose to them. But this year, man. I mean, the, the the rest of the conference, you know, obviously a lot of rebuilding jobs there, some coaching changes. Um, it's you know, it's not a surprise when you look at you know, like you know, San Diego or Santa Clara, and they're not playing well. I mean, that's kind of a perpetual theme in the conference. But um, right now, I have Portland at rank 154th, and they are the the number four team in the league. And I'm just looking at my projected standing. So I you know, I mentioned BYU at 13 and five. Portland is projected for fourth place at eight and ten. So uh, wow, already. <laughs> Already, the computer sees uh, you know pretty huge separation between third and fourth in the conference. Wow, we we've got to use that drop. Do I have to pick? That's gonna be, <laughs> that's gonna be a great one. Hey, who's the best team in college hoops right now, in your opinion? Uh, in my opinion, it's the it's the Duke Blue Devils. I wish I had some sort of like wacky contrarian answer to that, but I mean they've been just so good so far and uh, have not been particularly healthy. Uh, you know, they're just getting uh, Jason Tatum back, who is uh, you know their outstanding power forward should be a top five pick in the draft, um, if not better, you know, top two or three maybe. Uh, so they're just getting him back into the fold. Uh, Marcus Bolden is another freshman who they're just getting into the fold. They're waiting for Harry Giles, who is a third stud freshman, who presumably will be back on the court maybe uh, late December or at some point in January. Uh, so uh, they got those three guys that are just kind of working into the mix right now, and still I think they played like the best team in the country, even though they did. Suffer an early defeat to Kansas, but um, but it's a really really good team. So I'd I'd hitch my wagon to Duke at this point. If you'd like the full menu of the Ken Palm goodness, how do they get it, Ken? Uh, pretty easy, you know. Just go to KenPalm.com and uh, click the old subscribe button. It's uh, a mere twenty dollars in the next twelve months. You get all all sorts of statistical goodies if you're into that sort of thing. Great stuff. We appreciate the time, my friend. All right, thanks for having me on, fellas. Ken Pomeroy on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. I, I loved his answer to the fourth best team in the West Coast Conference question because it's honest. Do He's I looking at the computer pick? rings. I don't know. He has Portland at 154. So it goes Gonzaga, St. Mary's, BYU, all top 60, and then almost 100 spots between third and fourth in the WCC. That's bad. It doesn't help the league. You want it. You want it to be a three bid league. It's a two. It's a kind of one and a half bid league generally. It's a two bid league. It's, two, it's a two and a half bid it's league. A two this and year. a half bid league this year. Will yes. BYU get in? Yeah or not? Yeah, that, that's, that's the question exactly. And at some point, Spencer will tell us whether he's going to wear the tourney train hat right now or not. What does the win over Colorado mean for BYU hoops at 
Jer Am Fam says the win shows that BYU men's b-ball can do it. They just need to get consistent. That's the key, and that's what's tough for young teams, consistency. Coming up, BYU men's volleyball well represented on the preseason All-American list. It's in the Cougar Whip Around. BYU Sports Station presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when you need it most. Do I have to pick one? It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. We're nine days away from the Poinsettia Bowl, yo, between BYU and Wyoming. Media availability happens today, 1.30 Eastern time. You can watch post-practice interviews live on the BYU TV Sports Facebook page. Men's basketball. Beat Colorado 79-71 oh, Tony Train on Saturday. Yeah. Four BYU players scored in double figures, led by Nick Emery with 23 points. Eric Mika, despite suffering from food poisoning, 17 points, <laughs> 7 rebounds, 6 assists. He was the man. Tony Train rolling. Volleyball. I'm going to wear the track hat if you're wearing that hat, then. <laughs> 13-seed women's volleyball fell in five sets to four-seed Texas in the Sweet 16 upright. The Cougars were down two sets to none, fought off a match point, one sets three and four, lost the fifth set despite two match points. McKenna Miller, 16 kills, Mary Lake, 30 digs in the match and was on the all-tournament team. Off the blocks, men's volleyball preseason All-American list is out. Just soak in the goodness that's happening <laughs> on TV When do you right guys now? graduate again? <laughs> Finals, American Heritage. Okay, BYU's Ben Patch and Brendan Sander are first-team All-Americans for men's volleyball. Jake Langlois and Price Jarman, second-teamers. That's what I voted, too. The MPSF coaches poll is out. BYU's preseason favorite over UCLA by nine votes to three. How about that? Cougars in the NFL. It's week 14 for Cougars in the National Football League. Ziggy Ansah had two tackles and a tackle for loss for the Lions and a win. John Denny snapped the game-winning field goal in a downpour for the Dolphins. To beat the Cardinals, Dennis Pitta, DeAndre Wesley, and the Baltimore Ravens play Kyle Van Noy's New England Patriots. Monday Night Football, 8.30 Eastern on ESPN. Jimmer had 45 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists in a win for the Shanghai Sharks yesterday. 45, wow. Women's basketball. That was after a 47 game. Mm. BYU women's hoops lost at Utah on Saturday. Ah, Tough third quarter. 77-60, Cassie Broadhead led the Cougars with 22 points. Cougars overseas. Tyler Haas had 12 points in an anvil Vatslovic loss over the weekend in Poland. Future guests include Blaine Fowler, Jeff Benedict, our friend from Sports Illustrated, also the man that compiled the Steve Young biography, QB, My Life Behind the Spiral. He's at the Ravens-Patriots game tonight. Of course he is. So he'll tell us how that goes. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a fun game to be at, right? Mm-hmm. Share the wealth, Jeff! <laughs> Do I have to pick one? Rise and shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Jerem? Women's volleyball team. What a season. Congratulations. What does the win over Colorado mean for BYU basketball? It means I have this hat on. That's what it means. <laughs> At CL underscore living says a Provo train station could be completed by, could still be completed by March. Oh, snap. I thought Front Runner was here already. Yeah. Well, there you go. Show on demand. Download the podcast for Jerem. I'm Spencer. Shout out to Bob Ricks.